when the mission ends, redemption begins. This is the Geek Confidential Podcast. Mel. Hey, hey, thank you for having me. Last time, last episode, you hosted it. So now I'm back in the hosting seat. <laughs> thank God. I am sorry to everyone out there for my poor hosting skills. You did an amazing <laughs> job. Mo Walker, welcome. I'm glad to be here. And, and, and Mel, yeah, you did a really good job hosting. I thought we had a really fun episode. And Dan, it's Y'all been a while. Even. Welcome it has back. been a while. How's it going, everybody? Well, um, everything in pop culture, let alone our real lives, has been up upended by coronavirus. So I figured we'd just sort of check in and see what everyone is sort of like using to keep sane as movies are no longer um, in theaters, as um, television shows are getting cut. Produ- like their production cycles are being cut earlier uh early what are you guys using to keep yourselves sane during corona mel honestly i'm just trying to find anything that i missed while you know having to work so much and being caught up in life i finally was able to binge watch sabrina so that was really great um i haven't quite gotten into the tiger king thing um but i am i think i just started watching uh there was a show on wgn a couple of years ago called outsiders and i've been binging that one here lately so yeah just finding new shows anything that will keep my attention well, I look forward to discussing Sabrina with you on this and maybe a Sabrina-centric episode um, coming up. I know that we're going to be doing some specific topic episodes, so if any listeners have any special requests, the Watchmen episode was a special request from a longtime listener, so if you have other things that you would like us to discuss as a special topic, go ahead and put those in the comments um, at Geek Confidential. Mo, what have you been using to keep sane (laughs) yeah uh so you know like it's just i'm just caught up in life and you know fortunately i have been staying on top of uh, the certainly the arrowverse shows prior to their corona virus induced break um i've been enjoying the new freeform show um motherland fort salem which i think is it's it's a show i feel like that that should not actually and this isn't a horrible thing to say but it feels like it's something so different from what's usually on that network that i think it could thrive somewhere else um certainly i enjoyed the finale of the series finale of the magicians it felt very earned oh it was it gave me it gave me so many going to be a special episode yeah, it just um, and and then, uh, again, I've I've also um, been watching the Harley Quinn animated series, which is on the DC streaming service, the 
first season of it only ended like a couple months ago, but then the second season, ironically enough, or just started up about a week ago. And if if you love some Harley Quinn, it's definitely the show for you. Just spoiler warning, it's not child friendly at all. It is literally an animated version of what you got in the film. Okay. Dan, what have you been using to keep sane? Uh, a lot of like television and podcasts and stuff like that. Uh, in terms of what I've been like binging and stuff, same with Mo. I, I kept up with all of the Arrowverse with Batwoman, Supergirl, Legends, Flash. Uh, and I've also binged. I'm all caught up on Riverdale, which is it got good again. It Did, got was really it, good again. Was it like last season? Because I have like five episodes sitting on my DVR, and the same thing happened last season where I let them st- pile up, and then I watched them in a marathon, and they nailed the landing. But I don't think we're quite to the landing yet, if I'm not mistaken, because I don't think the season's over, because normally we'd be entering May sweeps here shortly. So how are those episodes? They... I. I really like them. I think they did a great job of incorporating the school aspects within the larger mysteries uh, that they all end up solving before graduation. So graduation hasn't happened yet. Um, and next week is Hedwig the musical. But they they sort of have the mysteries wrapped up real neatly. And so I'm interested to see if anything from that unravels or if they just decide to finish out senior year and then kind of go from there. Because with all of the the casting news of so many of the adults leaving next year, uh, it's it'll be interesting to see where they go from there. I also got a chance to check out Netflix's Tiger King, which has been like this huge internet phenomenon and the most insane show that I've ever seen in my life in terms of just as a documentary that these real people actually exist and this is their life. And it, it gets to the point where at the end of every episode, the producers ask someone a question and they give an answer that, the producers don't believe and need to like devote another episode to the answer to the question because that's a whole other mystery. Like there are so many topics on topics on topics and crazy moments and crazy things people say and do. It, like it's really hard to talk about without spoiling. You just need to see it for yourself. Uh, it's engaging. It's enthralling. It's disappointing. It's exciting. It's sad. Uh, it, it's, it fills you with joy. It's got so many aspects to it. Uh, the like after episode is debuting, uh, there's an eighth episode that Netflix is putting out. It's going to be like kind of an interview with a bunch of the people who are in it hosted by Joel McHale. Uh, it should be really, really good. Uh, before that though, I did get a chance to binge watch the entire third season of Ozark and oh my gosh, someone give Tom Pelfrey and Laura Linney their Emmys right now because they were so incredible in that. Oh, I highly encourage anyone 
to check out Ozark. If you liked Breaking Bad or if you like like edge of your seat shows or anything like that, it's it's so good. Okay. It's so very good. For me, I caught up on Sabrina, like Mel mentioned, which I definitely want to dive into that at some point. Um, the thing that I've sort of been using for my sanity is a show that's been around for a while, which has made like, I think I started watching this maybe, what was it, Thursday of last week or Friday of last week? It's now Thursday, so it's been about a week. But basically, at the end of the day, when all the news channels start coming on, the news commentary and stuff, rather than watch any of that, I'm flipping to Netflix and I'm watching uh, Grace and Frankie. And it is such a wonderful escape from everything that is going on in the world. It's not geek related, but it is a it's wonderful, amazing. It is a wonderful escape. And I texted Jamie at one point and I was like, you know, I was like, back in the early days, there was definitely some Grace and Frankie dynamics going on uh, with us. Uh, uh, but let's talk a little bit about the Arrowverse shows. Dan, you yes. haven't been on um, since Arrow wrapped. What did, real quick, what did you think of the finale? It was one of the, like, from, like, they stuck the landing. It was it was beautiful. It was captivating. It was indicative of the heart of the show. Um, obviously, I have my little qualms here and there. Like, let's just say Earth One Rage or Earth One Laurel should have made an appearance. I I, I think that's something that you could expect me saying. Uh, I. I really enjoyed seeing so many of our favorite characters back. And just when you take a look at everyone inside of the arrow cave, and then later during the funeral scene at the, the burial site, you realize how invested you've become in each and every single one of these people. You you've found yourself I I personally was overjoyed seeing Nissa. I was overjoyed seeing the weird tension of uh, when Nissa calls Sarah her beloved. I the I loved seeing Roy propose. Boy, I, let's pause for a second because we will be discussing Legends of Tomorrow on this episode. Um, okay. That gave me great hope for possibly one of the worst romances in the Arrowverse at the moment. Is all I'm yes! going to say. I I 100% agree, and now that Hawaii Five O has wrapped up, and Katrina Lawson, or I'm sorry, Katrina Law has said she's totally open to you know hitting up legends. I'm like, let's get Nissa on the boat. I need Nissa scenes with Mick Rory. I need Nissa scenes with uh oh gosh, Ray isn't even there. What the heck? Uh, I'm. I'm mad about that. Well, we will discuss Legends of Tomorrow later. But, um, yes, I'm very excited. I was very, very happy and just overjoyed to see so many characters come back. I was so excited to see uh, Emiko and Thea have scenes together. Roy proposed to Thea on the rooftop that the show Powerless was set in, which is a weird kind of uh, Easter egg. Uh, that was 
beautiful, uh, seeing Moira Queen welcome Emiko into the Queen family, seeing Tommy, like this, we didn't get to spend enough time with Tommy. I think that's fair to say. The first season was still trying to figure out what it was. And so we really didn't get to spend enough time with Tommy. So getting to see him be funny and sarcastic during the funeral and then seeing his scenes with Earth 2 Laurel, it was so moving and powerful. And having Barry there and Felicity just being awkward around her daughter. I, You know what? God bless uh, Emily Bett-Ricards because she, she nailed it absolutely nailed it with how devastated she would be, but at the same time, understanding of the situation and just rolling with it as much as possible and trying to be strong for the sake of her baby daughter, which by the way, if I were, um, if I were Mia, I would still tell her, Hey, maybe still have Nissa train me for the rest of my life, just just in case anything happens, because my timeline's still pretty wonky. Um, we Time haven't heard lines are pretty wonky all over the Arrowverse now that things are happening. Yes, and now that they've been merged into yes. one Earth Prime. Let's talk a little bit about Black Lightning because I know that all of us are caught up on it and all of us watch it. Not all of us watch all of the Arrowverse shows, but all of us watch Black Lightning. Mo, what did you think of post-crisis Lady Eve's return because obviously she's the more most important thing about Black Lightning and then Gravedigger? <laughs> so post-crisis black lightning i really think that the show didn't miss a beat coming back post-crisis i think in terms of the adjustments it was so caught up in its own storyline and about the liberation of freeland and the markovians you really couldn't sort of marinate in what is it now what, what, what does this look like now where you have Jefferson has hung out with Barry Allen, has hung out with Kara, you know, and it and it brings to mind again those questions of, you know, now that now that uh, Freeland is situated in the Earth Prime, you know, why can't Barry or Supergirl or John Jones or somebody just pop into Freeland and help Black Lightning clean up things and and deal with the ASA and the problems there, and you know, it it's you don't really do, um, deal with it uh, uh, face on, but instead, you know, uh, Jefferson, you know, talks about how the this notion of Freeland is a community, and that the community itself of Freeland needs to take take a stand and and take back its community. And I think that throughout the rest of that arc post post crisis, we really got to see how all the different factions of Freeland came together, you know, one to get rid of the ASA and two to deal with the Markovians. Um, and in terms of lady Eve return now, that, now the question for me is again, is it, was it all always part of the plan in terms of the resurrection of, of lady Eve that it was coming down the pike or did the crisis 
provide it was it one of those quinky dinks when it comes to I crisis think crisis provided the opportunity because I, I that's my suspicion i have no basis yeah. in it but it, like they killed her off way too long ago for mm-hmm. it to have been we're gonna bring her back at crisis yeah i i no no i totally agree. it was like oh so she was marinating in that tank the whole time you know for like two seasons or something that right. she got killed um in terms of Gravedigger, wow. I mean, that, there is just so much th- there just to delve with. I mean, Wayne Brady was just so physically impressive and imposing. And I did mention this in the Watchmen episode, you know, how just you don't see Wayne Brady. You just don't. I mean, you compare the, you know, Tyson Sykes, Grave Digger to the character he plays on the bold, the so, uh, the bold and the beautiful. I mean, it's literally you see two different people, and I really am glad that they that they did touch upon and they linked Grave Digger to the PS family. Now, I mean, this is all new stuff. I mean, this is not based in the oh, comics or anything. Yeah, it's not comic canon. You have a gr- the Grave Digger character. There have been multiple Grave Digger characters in, in, in DC Comics. And this is a, some this version of Grave Digger is clearly some sort of inverse um, of Captain America. I mean, that's literally when you get that flashback episode. You would swear this was Captain America, uh, First Avenger, you know, except that Cap is black. Cap is, you know, he is throwing off the yoke of the Americans and... And he's just not going to play ball, you know, post-World War II. Um, I'm glad that Wayne Brady's character uh, survived. And I hope Gravedigger returns in um, season four and that it really does delve more into that, that sort of family lineage. Mel, what were your ta- what was your take on those three topics? And I know how much you love the, <clears throat> excuse me, the Pierce family. What did mm-hmm. you think of how the Pierce family dynamic has also played out? So I definitely agree a lot with Mo that the show was really solid after Crisis. And I think because of what Mo was saying, like it is always been kind of contained within itself and not really mixing with the other shows. So for Black Lightning to be a part of Crisis, I thought was really great. But when he came back to Freeland, it was like, okay, I'm back home. I'm doing thing yes it would be awesome to see you know barry allen or someone pop up now and again but then again we're following the history of the show and how it's being told on the cw that doesn't really jive with what's been going on so right. and, and, that, and let I, me ask you let me ask you about that let's delve mm-hmm. into that just slightly deeper because that's what i've struggled with most um what i don't get is how marco like I can get where cities are separate and superheroes stay out of each other's business unless help is asked for. I can totally buy that premise. The part that I struggle with as a viewer watching it is this idea that a foreign nation is on U.S. soil surrounding a single town. And not only is the U.S. government not doing anything about it and everything is so supposedly normal, but like any of the number of characters from say arrow uh diggle's wife before she 
transported. Like this was part of my issue with Markovia before. Like mm-hmm. why wasn't Diggle's wife somehow involved in trying to beat back Markovia, you know? And so for me, it's not necessarily the superhero. It's just the logic of a foreign nation is invading a town in the United States. And not only is the U.S. government not doing anything, but not even any of the people who logically in our Arrowverse that would be involved are involved. I mean, I think that's definitely a great argument. But also, I've been black in this country my whole life. So <laughs> it's not outside of the reach of possibility in my head, I guess. I don't touché, know. Touche, touche. Okay. I, I can so, see it happening. So, so Luke, I, I, I want to just... So, so I, um, you know, in terms of the logic, you know, of a foreign country and 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 um, taking over a town. Remember, we got this in Stranger Things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Literally, you okay. got. So you to had be fair, I've that. only watched part season one and part of season two. I never finished season two, so I am not familiar with what Luke. happened in in the rest of. Stranger okay, Things. okay, so. so you, just you got the equivalent with the Russians and the Markovians. Mm-hmm. It's, it's something fairly similar. I mean, definitely not. I wouldn't say you didn't. You, well, two you didn't get the all-out street street fighting that you got in in Black Lightning in 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 Stranger Things with the Russians. But again, and you know, like Mel said, you know. But okay, being but, black okay, in America, you just get... just using Stranger Things. The difference between Stranger Things and Black Lightning is Black Lightning is set in 2020. Stranger Things is set in 1980-ish. There's a difference between telecommunications and media and all the other things that we have now. Like the whole story about them not being able to get a signal out. And the media at large not paying any attention to Freeland seems a little bit weird if you have a foreign country invading in 2020 versus 1980 when there was maybe three big networks and maybe the pre-dawning birth of cable television. Like, I, I get what you're saying about Stranger Things versus Black Lightning, but the media landscape, the social media landscape, everything is so much different that like for me that's the logic that i struggle with most with black lightning well well so let me okay so let me throw this to two things okay one you know there were parts of this that in terms of the cutting off of freeland was very much you know it, it borrowed from uh a, a batman story called no man's land which was a key aspect of the last season of gotham when they just right. more or less got cut off okay so the other thing is, is in, again, as Mel uh, mentioned, is that you look at the history of how African Americans, blacks have been treated in this Flint, country. Michigan still doesn't have clean water. Correct. Exactly. Let's just so, think about that in 2020. Yes. So, so if you have that equivalent, so essentially what you're saying, and given the backstory of this show, where they said the ASA said from, from the first season that the ASA came in there, they were experimenting on these kids because mm-hmm. they were black, they were poor people, black and poor, poor people, because no one cared. So if, if, if they can sell that rationale that no one cares, then you know, U.S. government can write this off. You know, like we were trying to create our own metahumans, and things got screwy, and so we just gonna, you know, we're just gonna pretend that this doesn't exist. And you know, when it comes, and then again, like Mel just said about Flint, Michigan, again, we have, you know, 
things, you know, Flint, Michigan, they, they don't have running water, and, and it's being overlooked. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Mel, keep going with your okay. reaction to Sorry. the family. I, I apologize for the digressing, no, it's but okay. it's one of those things where, like, that's what I struggled with. The logic of it is what I scr- struggled with the most in watching the last mm-hmm. half of the season. To continue on, um, the story was really great. I really loved story-wise that while everyone always had their differences, you know, your Lady Eves, your Lala's, the good versus evil, the Pierce's, so on and so forth, when it came to the Markovians officially trying to wipe Freeland off the map, everyone came together. They were like, yeah, that's not going to work for any of us. And let me tell you right now, you're not taking down Freeland. Freeland is ours. So I really kind of, I like that unity about it. Um, the Pierce family, of course, I definitely think the family dynamic is still there. They will always be your, you know, mom, dad, two kids. We always ride for each other. But I would absolutely say the dynamics in the family are different because Lynn was a straight up addict and Jefferson, because he is so in love with her, he will overlook anything. We have Anissa and Jennifer. Anissa, who is older and understands more, definitely sees what's going on, but is trying to kind of push it to the side. And Jennifer, being younger, is more wrapped up in her own world. So I think that's interesting. I really did love Jennifer trying to take on Gravedigger, who uh, I think most said it all about Wayne Brady just doing an amazing job with this character. He's come a long way, Wayne Brady. So it was really great to see him in this role. Um, Listen, you I, watch him on this versus when he pops up on Bold and the Beautiful. <laughs> the difference is... It's staggering, okay? Stark. <laughs> stark, and I'm not talking Game of Thrones stark. I'm just saying, like, uh, he's, he's done a fantastic job playing, you know, the, the soldier who was experimented on and now wants his revenge. So I, I definitely thought... That was great. Um, no, it's just been a really, I, I think, another solid season for Black Lightning. Um, the only thing I have a, a little bit of a problem with is this whole Khalil thing. Like, bruh, it's time for you to go. I, I don't want to see two and three Khalils anymore. I don't care which one of you is Painkiller. I don't care which one is Khalil. Just die. Please You don't die. like him? Look. He's beautiful. Don't get me wrong. I love to look at him. He don't wear a shirt a lot. You know, that's all things Mel enjoys. But I'm done. Like, how many times do we have to do this with his character? I get it. You and Jen were in love. I got it. But how many times are we going to risk our Pierce family over him? Because Jen will not move on and find somebody else. So let me ask you something. Is he a character that you would like to see um, maybe leave Freeland because of his powers for what they are and have him sort of become a rogue like Nyssa and various other characters that we've seen in the Arrowverse so that he pops the, up on all various shows? Uh, yes and no. I mean, I, I, I'm done seeing him. If they want to bring him back every now and again, like, you know, Nyssa, okay. But what I've come to realize about Black Lightning, it is in death. It's very soap opera. Like, nobody's dead. 
Nobody's actually dead. So Just is Odell they, dead? They'll be, he'll be back in three episodes. I'm, I'm not gonna like. Oh, they're dead, and I'm so sad. He'd be back. I'm not gonna worry about it. This is this is a soap opera for all intents and purposes when it comes to death on this show. Okay. So we'll see. Dan, what did you think of the way that Black Lightning season four wrapped up post crisis? I loved Black Lightning post crisis. I I'm. I think I was so invested in the painkiller arc and everything going on with Markovia and stuff like that, that like none of like the, the media stuff really dawned on me. I loved the like siege of Markovia and all of them in that plane. Now I have a question about that because they were in the plane and they're all in normal clothes. But then the next scene, they're all in their superhero clothes. So either they got some privacy stuff going on or everyone's just like, nope, it's fine. Everyone sees everything, which, you know, whatever. Well, but they're family. Some of them are family. Brandon's definitely looking. Uh, I'm, I'm just saying. He, he kind of got it on my nerves a bit, like with his whole, oh, my mom stuff. It got to be too much. Like, I get it, but... I think I need to, like, care about your character before you go that in that direction. Like, they didn't do enough to set up him as, like, a character we care about. It it was just kind of Jen's friend who, like, has, like, these rock-related seizures. Uh, So I'm going to say there, if you know... The comic book continuity. If you know, I'm thinking he is going to be a, a character called Geoforce. And traditionally, Geoforce is white. He is he is from the ruling family of Markovia. He has Earth-based powers that he received from Dr. Jace. And I mm-hmm. think Black Lightning is, twi- is going to do a play mm-hmm. on that because Black Lightning and Geoforce... Those two characters were connected in a in a comic from the '80s called Batman and the Outsiders. They were they were on that same team, and they had a lot of stuff that was going on in Markovia. A lot of Markovian politics was part of that comic. I think that's where they're going with this. I have a feeling there's something about him. I have a because they mentioned his father, and so I'm wondering if his father is in the Markovian ruling class or some sort. So I, I think they let they land the groundwork for that next season, or his father's gravedigger. Well, well, no, no, no. Well, see, I keep, but I also think they, they him and Jen, I feel like got a little chemistry. So, I see, I think, thought they were going there. Think with gonna that Pantene Pro They're not going to have cousins kissing <laughs> cousins. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that Look. that beautiful curly mane of his. It just, ooh, how you doing, Brandon, sir? <laughs> But see, yeah, I thought they were gonna go down with Malu the look. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I thought they were gonna go down with Jen, Khalil, and, and Brandon. It, it just oh, yeah. they danced around that a little bit, and and well, it just it could be DC they just didn't have time. In there too. I I feel like I don't know if this makes sense, but I feel like Black Lightning specifically is building out a younger cast that the rest of the shows don't have. Like, I feel like they're building out the 17, 18, 19 year old cast 
that like when you look at everybody else, everybody's in their mid to upper 20s or early 30s. So I'm wondering if that is structurally something that's being established. It's just crossed my mind a couple times. I could be completely off on it. Um, I see what you're saying, Luke. Uh, The Flash is sort of trying with some of these newer characters who like... Oh, we're we're working with Star Labs now. Um, you know, there's just there's a, a like Chester um, or Cisco's girlfriend. Like, there are a couple new characters or anyone at um, the the Citizen. They're fleshing out Black Lightning with too many young characters by comparison to Jefferson. Yeah, no, that is one hundred percent. Correct. And they can't be I the do, Titan. They can't be the Titans because the Titans is on HBO Max. That's true. Uh, I I do really like um, in terms of Black Lightning and stuff like that. I like that the the season has set up the next season in a way that you know we have Lala on the board, we have Lady Eve on the board, we have um, Tobias coming back. You know, we have core villains all alive and well on the board who contributed to the finale last year, but now are intent on establishing their dominance through the underground channels of Freeland. You know, they are going to be doing their crime syndicates and all of their dealings and whatnot. It's really interesting that, you could sort of have some or like the Markovians come in and the ASA come in. And yet we still have core villains all on the chessboard now. You know, I loved Lady Eve coming back. I loved the sort of the push and or the push and pull with, um, with Lala. You know, there are, are so many great dynamics at play right now. And with Anissa and Jen still learning, like Jen's learning a ton about her powers. I feel like Anissa doesn't know everything quite yet. Like, I feel like there are certain parts of her abilities that she could probably learn moving forward, you know, just as someone in their mid 20s and you know, just learning more things. Yeah, it's very possible. Okay. Um, but I I really loved the season. I loved the Pierce family. I loved that they went to the Supreme Court and got justice for Freeland. And I thought that was very important and really made a stand on highlighting the atrocities of, you know, the whole sheltering of Freeland and the ASA taking over and instituting martial law and the Markovians attacking and really highlighting the human spirit that Freeland really embodied this season as they rose up and defended against all of these different attackers. Also, very sad to see Henderson die. Very sad. Uh, I was not ready for that. That was heartbreaking. And to do it in a way that saved Jefferson's life, where he's got a hole in him, but he's still alive, and you know he, he's going to die, but he just, ah, uh, that was, that was heartbreaking. And uh, You want to know what gonna... else is heartbreaking, Dan? And What's we're going to be coming to it. 
Dang it. Legends of Tomorrow. Ah, oh, I didn't you're gonna go there. Legends of Tomorrow, Supergirl, and The Flash. I am really struggling with two of these three shows uh, to the point where Legends for me, and Dan, I'll be coming to you on this uh, when we touch on it, is almost as bad for me as season one. Okay. Um, Mo, Supergirl, I have always struggled with this show. Um, and I think it may just be that like the first season I was so enamored with Callista Flockhart being on it, but I deleted four episodes and have no desire to really pick up. So I'm really going to need you to convince me on why I should at least watch whatever's left of the season. Mel, The Flash, Barry, fucked up the Speed Force again. You don't say. <laughs> you mean the damn on the Flash that airs on the CW on Tuesdays? Barry Allen fucked up the Speed Force for the 75th time? I never would have guessed it. And oh, Iris so is, has a doppelganger. What are you the thinking of The Flash, Mel? Okay, so... It's inevitable at this point on the show that at some point in the season, Barry is going to screw up the speed force and or the timeline and or the whole universe. It's going to happen. Okay. We knew it's, it's expected at this point. So after he, he messes it up again, blah, blah, yawn, yawn. It happens. Um, I feel like flash is kind of doing what it always does. It's, it's focusing on, it's villains and and it's core Star Labs family. Um, I don't know why we had to bring Grodd back again because I kind of feel like that's their, hmm, what are we going to do? We need an episode. Let's bring back Grodd. Oh, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. <sighs> okay, that's fine. I will say I did enjoy Wally West showing up again. Um, oh, that was wonderful. I love, right? Yes. I loved that he has developed his powers himself and he is now like trying to teach Barry things, you know, when he creates the, the flower with the speed force and the lightning. I thought that was great. I was like, oh, this is this is really good. You've you've learned, kid flash. You you are almost teenage flash now. So I I enjoyed that episode. And I also liked that Wally, who hasn't even been around Iris as long as Barry has knew something was wrong with her. He was like, yeah, there's something off about her. And he talks to Joe about it, so on and so forth. But the fact that Barry has known Iris majority of his life, they're married, it's his wife, and he still hasn't caught on to the fact that there is something off about her. That is not actually Iris. The second she fixed him breakfast and it was not burned, I was like, nope. There is no way, Barry Allen, you should be like, mm -mm, nope, something's wrong, something's off. We can't do this. Iris being stuck in the mirror with that other character. I can't remember her name at this point, but I, I want her to get out of the mirror. How many episodes is she going to be in the mirror? And come to find out, she's stuck in the mirror with the bad guy. So go figure. So I want to see how they eventually get her out of the mirror. I do want to see how they figure out how to get Barry's speed back because he has screwed up the speed force so much. In this past episode on Tuesday, I think they may have finally 
gotten rid of Thawne, they but did. I doubt. Well, they, I don't think I they officially they, they got him out. Him. They got him out of Harry Wells' body, but yeah. I don't think he's actually yeah. gone. Right, and like we saw him explode into the lightning, and then we didn't see anything else. And I'm like, I feel like he might have just transferred into someone else. I feel like he's going to be back. It's going to happen. But I do think that The Flash is definitely still interesting enough to keep my attention. Like, I want to see what happens with Cisco. I kind of like the story with uh, Caitlin and, and Killer Frost, how she's Killer Frost all of the time. I think these things are interesting. So they still got me. And and Nora didn't come back, Mel, after Crisis. I mean, I would say I was sad, but we all know that's a lie. <laughs> she okay. can stay gone. <laughs> Mo Supergirl. I really tried after Crisis and for me it I think it always comes back to two things. One, it's Supergirl and I feel like she should be able to beat most of these things fairly easily and two, it makes no sense to me when there's so much casting news on the Superman and Lois show that Lex Luthor is the big primary evil, at least for the episodes post-crisis that I watched, for Supergirl. I And then I sort of felt like, all, and then maybe this is point three, that like, the episodes post-crisis sort of seemed to feel like we were either recycling or treading water. What are you thinking of Supergirl post-crisis? Well, I, I do agree with you about the treading water. Um, I think that, and, and remember, in the lead-up to Crisis, there was really no lead-up in Supergirl. Um, it was focused on this threat of Leviathan. And the Supergirl version of Leviathan are these alien immortals who basically control the Earth. And uh, Kara's new boss, who is trying to um, <clears throat> her her VR, who, who's trying to um, you know corner the market on VR. I think part of the problem with Supergirl is that it did not learn sort of I, the lessons from the flash and from some of the other shows pre pre-crisis is it's like you know you set up things going into crisis you have a story arc that ends knowing that post-crisis when you come out things are going to be totally different right and what i feel like is is when we came out of post-crisis with supergirl we were really more or less stuck in the same place lena I, I, they took I her right back to where she right was back. before. Exactly. Correct. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't make sense from a, from me for a character perspective. I think that we saw this arc of her building to what the worst version of herself pre-crisis, post-crisis. We sh given what happened in, in in crisis with that character, and, and, and granted, she may have lost her memories and got her memories back and, and whatnot from her brother. But we should try. We should see something different with that character post-crisis i think with lex i wonder if it's a if it's a if it's an issue about you know well we like the character of lex we love the actor you know 
let's just keep him around until let's keep John Cryer around until you know uh, Superman and Lois gets picked up and ramped up and everything, and then we'll we'll shift him over there. But the problem with 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 Lex is is that. You're gonna burn the character out. You're, I mean, you're gonna fry viewers on the character. You're gonna overuse him prior to when he should truly be the big bad and the big deal is in a Superman and Lois show. You know, we can't use him two seasons as the big bad or one of the big bads on Supergirl. The only thing that I can think about, because that's my bi- uh, other big question. I mean, like, it makes no sense. Is if. Superman and Lois is going to be more Krypton threat focused. I sort of feel like, and maybe this has, there's no connection between the two, but I do feel like Diggle getting the ring for the green lantern and us getting Superman and Lois sort of feels like maybe the DC universe or the Arrowverse is going to be going more, interspace if Lex were to stay on Supergirl and we would end up seeing more extraterrestrial threats with Superman I could sort of see that happening the problem is is that Supergirl when it attempted it didn't do it all that well though I love Terry Hatcher so maybe that's what they're going to do but it the casting for Superman and Lois, they are bringing back Lana Lang. And Lo- they've got, obviously, Lois, but Lana Lang, Lana Lang's husband, Lana Lang's, I mean, father. It really looks like they're maybe, they're emphasizing the military. Well, we know that the Lang girl, sister's father, is in the military. So maybe they're going to do that. I don't know, but it does feel weird. When when Lex should be a Superman villain, why he's do spending this much time with Supergirl? So I mean, and that well, here's two two things when when it comes to Supergirl. So um, I feel like the show set up a problem or a potential villain at the end of last season when they when they talked about how. Brainy couldn't go, couldn't hang out in the thirty, thirty on uh, the thirty-first century because of the threat of the other Brainiac taking over things, and so he he was basically trapped back in, in the twenty-first century, you know. And and granted, when kind of when when had his two-part episodes, and he, he kind of sort of wrapped that up. I think that's a shame because for me, I was thinking, oh, that threat from the thirty thirty-first century was going to come back. And it would tie in with the VR sort of theme, this whole notion of virtual reality and so forth that's been running throughout the season. And I feel like it would lend itself perfectly, a perfect marriage of those two things. Um, but I also feel like, again, as you said before, Luke, about the problem with um, there's so many things. Supergirl should be able to take on these threats by herself. Again, I feel like... John Jones needs to exit. I think that character, half the time, it feels like that character is in a totally separate show. I mean, just totally doing his own thing. His costume has been hideous. It looks like a, you know, some sort of reject from like He Man action figure. I mean, he got that chest plate that looks like something that He Man or like one of Skeletor's minions 
for Masters of the Universe would wear. Now, granted, I understand that John Jones is getting a new costume. I'd heard some rumors about John Jones transitioning to the Legends. I think John Jones needs to exit. Okay, I will defend. Now, you said earlier you had deleted those four episodes for Supergirl. Now, I can defend three of the four. Now I can defend that for the the one hundredth episode, which um you know it's a super life. It was again, it was a nice retrospective. It brought up some of what I feel. Brought, what's his name? The guy who started doing the time loop for her on the TV. Yes, that. Oh, Mitch that Pillian. was the one where so, I just was done with it. I was like, there is nothing uh, I hate more than an episode that just recycles all the other clips in prime time. I see enough of that in daytime. I do not need to see that in prime time and it is a massive waste. So I was like this is it. I can't do it. If this is just going to be re- because the logic of it. They go back and they're going to try and so like they're going to go back to to pre-crisis and change all of this stuff with Lena pre-crisis when if they can go back to pre-crisis, why don't they just use him to separate the planets? I well, mean, hold on. Okay, so with that, with that, I mean, again, we're, we're that character, you know, again, is a cosmic being, and you know, and there's limits to what that character can do. But what I think it, re- what it really does, did that episode really did very well, which was drill down. And really have a good conversation about the Carolina relationship, and showed us, you know, where where it how it could have potentially veered off into a different direction. And it, honestly, parts of that really made me feel like it made me think about like the Smallville relationship between Clark and Lex, and how he, you know, Lex was trying, you know, constantly trying like to hold back the darkness and Clark was there for him. And it really felt like, you know, that was kind of where Supergirls was going with the Carolina relationship. And to me, had that been, even if that been 100, the 100th episode had been like where the, the turning point and where, you know, we were no longer kind of stuck in the mud with Lena, you know, going down this dark path. And that was that that kind of reset things for that character, I would have been perfectly happy with that. But I think it was a great summation of what has come before in terms of the show and has featured, you know, some of its some what I would say some of the better relationships, you know, and, and some of the better characters like Ben Ben Lockwood, Agent Agent Liberty. That was a solid villain. That was a, a that was a, a solid villain with great motivation, motivation you can understand and so forth. Um it really did a good job of highlighting that. I think the episode that focused on that the one of the ones you deleted, which was uh, called Reality Bites, which focused on Nia, which was a very Nia-centric episode, dealt with transphobia. I think it was a very important uh, uh, episode. It I didn't it didn't feel like an after-school special or anything like that, but it really did. You know, you know bring the relevancy of the issues of being transgender and and through the and especially through the lens of a transgender superhero and I think you know it's it's Kara's supporting cast that that I think especially the females the female ones the characters are the ones that really that I'm I feel like I'm more engaged in and then there the last episode a uh, new episode which was an alex centric episode and dealt with the death of alex and Carr's father and 
you know, Alex being trapped in a, in that virtual reality. And we really, again, got got into Alex's head and her thinking about, you know, how she measures up against Carr and her parents and, and so forth. And And I think that, you know, again, when that show leans on those relationships, that's when the show excels. Well, we don't. Yeah. Well, I'm going to use that as a segue for a show that does not use relationships well. And I don't understand why I'm still watching it, because even though I deleted the episodes of Supergirl, I actually have more positive feelings about Supergirl than I do Legends of Tomorrow, which at this point I'm hate watching. Because Come on. The, the only thing that I like about Legends of Tomorrow at this point is Sarah and Mick. So, Dan. Yes. Mr. Legends of Tomorrow, Ray, Ray, Ray. I love Ray. Everything about Ray, I love Ray. I did not like his exit. I thought it was lame. Raymond Rouse didn't like his exit, to be fair. (laughs) So you're in good company. I think that this cast is bloated. I think that this year, Sarah's girlfriend has eaten the show alive the same way that Triple Nipple did last year. And I'm (laughs) sick of it. I'm like, I am so like... (laughs) Triple Nipple. There's got to be... Yeah, that's... Her. There has got to be a way for Legends of Tomorrow. Okay. Other than Sarah and Mick, the only thing that I've sort of liked about this is Zari and the transformation of that character into a socialite. And I liked Constantine's subplot. But here's the thing. Sarah is off doing her own shit with Oliver dying. Hasn't been around for most of the season, so her girlfriend has eaten the show alive. Meanwhile, we almost never see Mick unless he's grumbling behind a closed door. And then we have Constantine, the other great character on this show, who's off on his own subplot. It's like that Legends of Tomorrow has become this show of many factors where everybody has a disconnected subplot that is only most loosely tied together and it's like Constantine is basically getting his own little Constantine show on Legends of Tomorrow and Zari as a character because I wasn't a huge fan of the original incarnation I've actually liked Zari that's one of the positive things that's happened about it but post-crisis there has been very little that has felt like it has been big the cast is way too big Triple Nipple and and the girlfriend are just eating this show alive. I am literally hate watching this show at this point. And the only re and it because of the storylines, there are characters that I still dearly love. Sarah on any of the other shows, I'm loving her. With Oliver's passing on Arrow, loved her. When she comes back and has scenes with Mick, love it. I can't stand Legends of Tomorrow at the moment for the writing, though. It has become absolutely absurd. And I love an absurd storyline from time to time. But they, rather than anchor it in any form of reality, everything is absurd. Everything across the board. Now that I've vented, Dan, tell me what you love about Legends of Tomorrow and why. So I find Legends to be stronger than last year. I'll say that much. 
They uh, brought the back the fucking tooth fairy woman. And this time they went and made her Ray's girlfriend. Okay, so Nora, like, I think we got some good resolution on the Nora and Damien Dark subplot dating back to Arrow. And then sort of, they they did a good job of resolving Nora. So if that would have been Nora's exit, I would have been okay. But for that to also be Ray's exit is not doing Ray justice. Why was Ray not at Oliver's funeral? Why is Ray, who was also part of Crisis, not more affected by Oliver's death? Ray was all ostensibly dead. Everyone thought he was dead. They renamed the entire town after Ray, and all of a sudden, Ray doesn't go to his funeral. Ray gets wrapped up in the weird subplot of the week with the documentary and all of that stuff. No, that's not Ray Paul. They brought back the fucking puppets. Okay, they did bring back the puppets. That one made me chuckle a bit. Uh, But I'll say, so... I do agree that the storylines have been a bit segmented this year, and I think they're about to bring it together with this, uh, with the whole loom of uh, Destiny, I believe. I don't know. Um, I, I think the cast is way overloaded uh, with people. I, I don't need Ava. I don't need Gary. I don't need Charlie. Uh, just why are we... If we don't have a Maya there and we really can't have a Maya there, we really don't need Charlie. I'm sorry. I just, I'm not, I'm not interested in Charlie's subplot. I'm not really even interested in, um, the subplot of the woman that's sending out all the encores. Like, I, I really don't care about her. Like, I understand she's needed just to send out the encores and have the episode of the day stuff. Cause the episode of the day stuff, that eighties one where Mick is at his high school reunion. I really liked that. That one was good. Uh, and he ends up like making a daughter essentially. And then he meets his daughter later. I'm like, okay, I am interested in this. Uh, you know, this is development. We, we have seen Mick from flash till now. This is great. Um, I'm, I'm liking Nate, but they're also segmenting Nate a bit in his characterization. Like I, I'm really glad that he got his moments with Ray. I need to see him and Bayrod a little bit more because Bayrod is kind of hanging on by like both Zari who Zari previously was as well as this sort of tangential relationship to both Nate and Sarah as friends. And then also Charlie and the one night stand They're They're very loose. And I could just use a little bit more Bayrod uh, because I think it like turning one character into two characters over the course of like an off season is an interesting move. It is a, like a very rarely done move. And I, I, I think it is great to see. I just, I, I need it fleshed out a bit more. I don't like, I agree that some of the stuff is completely absurd. Ava has really eaten the show and I can't stand it. I 100% support and agree with you on that. I don't need her anymore. I just, I loved my favorite incarnations with Sarah are single Sarah where 
she is sleeping with everyone throughout history. And there's a mission going on and she's having to captain the mission, but also like she's the distraction in some point where with like Marie Antoinette or even that uh, thing with Constantine that one time, like that was cool. You know, there, there are all sorts of interesting and cool ways to use Sarah and she is by far the strongest character on the show. Why not do it? Why not just go all out and be like, look, we're just going to have a Sarah season. You guys are going to deal with it. It'll be great. And I'm hoping that's what next season will be. I, I'm hoping that we can, you know, have these relationships matter where Sarah is back to being the Sarah that we know and love and not having to deal with Ava and all of her baggage and just idiosyncrasies and it is she is so frustrating and kill i need to talk off, about Ra- kill her off have yes. sarah end up finding nissa to try and bring her back to life and it failing and then sarah and nissa falling for each other done 100%. wham bam bang done yes i i 100 agree with that i'll say i i need to go off on ray in his exit because briefly, uh, we're briefly, I, I know, I, I know I already touched on it before, but for them to do that to a legacy Arrowverse character, I just, for his entire exit to be focused on someone else's ending storyline is asinine. It is especially after he got to redon his Superman outfit in crisis. Yes. Yes. You got to have uh, like how many times did Brandon Routh probably hear that? Oh, your Superman wasn't very good or whatever. You know, all of this garbage the internet might say and stuff like that. Whereas I'm sure that was the greatest time that he's ever had as a superhero. And he got to do it again years later and even after you know being the adam and creating ray palmer and having that relationship with felicity and then eventually becoming a legend and then you get to go back and do the one thing that brought you the most joy and then they cut you with the knees and tell you that you're going to be exiting with the tooth fairy you're going Deuces with the Tooth Fairy. That's what this is all about. Deuces with the Tooth Fairy. Okay. This is not... This is not... It's disrespectful. It is really disrespectful, and I don't like it. Legends this season, I've enjoyed it. Uh, There's a lot wrong going on, uh, but everything is fixable. I'll say that much. Everything... They haven't gone to the points of a lot of the shows where I'm like, I straight up don't care about half a Batwoman. I, you know, I straight up don't care about half a Supergirl, but with legends, I'm still in on enough of the show that I, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with it. Okay. Going around the circle real fast. Um, what are you looking forward to most? That's still coming down the pipe. Mel. Still coming down the pike. Uh, well, I was looking forward to Mulan and Black Widow and all of those movies. So maybe when we eventually get to see them, I'm, I'll be excited. Okay. Uh, Mo, 
Um, I was looking for forward to Vanguard or uh, Vagrant uh, Queen. Was sort of disappointed. What are you looking forward to? Lord, don't get me started on Vagrant Queen. We will we will mm. touch that as a mini segment on one of the other upcoming episodes. Yes, yes, but. Um, Truthfully, you know, I, I I have to say that I'm really continue. I'm looking forward to continuing to watch um, Motherland Fort Fort Salem. Um, I'm I'm gonna continue. I'm Killing Eve is about to come back. Uh, really looking forward to that. And um, there's a show on FX that I really enjoy called What We Do in the Shadows. It's this mockumentary about vampires, which is um, Created by uh, Takia Wadi, the, the gentleman who who uh, directed the last Thor movie. Okay. Um, he he has a second season of that show. Is 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 will be back soon. So there's a few things on the radar that I'm looking forward to, and then of course once Corona is over, Lord, please give me Wonder Woman in theaters. I just Dan? saw that ass. Dan, I, what are you looking was- forward to coming down the pipe? I was really looking forward to Fast and Furious 9. I know that's 2021. Dumb, I know it's a dumb thing for me to say, but and but Han is back. Han is back, guys. Justice for Han. Come on. Oh is my gosh. He, or is it flashbacks? No, no, he's back back. They they he's in scenes. This is this is a thing happening. So he survived Crisis 2. He survived <laughs> So uh, Barry and I guess Kara and uh, Milowitz. What? What's the guy? Well, they just Still basically it. what happened is they when Crisis happened, the Riddick universe died and the Fast and the Furious world survived. So yes, Vin and- Diesel could be Vin Diesel. Yes. Speaking of which, I really want to check out uh, Bloodshot. Which is a oh, I do too. I haven't had time to watch it, but I think it's on, on demand. Yeah, they it put is it on, on demand. demand. Yes, but the thing is, is I feel like if I'm going to pay nineteen dollars, which in logic, like if you go to a movie and spend fourteen or fifteen on the ticket and six dollars on the popcorn, you're at twenty dollars. But I'm like, it seems like a lot to pay twenty dollars to watch a movie in my house. Yes, that that is also my hang up right now. But if uh, you if you do it like if like I would go to a movie theater twice a month and pay fifteen dollars for a movie and six bucks for a popcorn. So like there's really no reason why I can't do it. Yes, you don't but, get the experience of sitting in a room with strangers enjoying the same thing. And that's why we go to the movies is for the experience. And strong, I can agree. Mel, I don't want to pay. I don't want to pay. Twenty dollars for something I can watch home either, but you know. See, if I'm if also I had, very. If I skeptical. had someone to watch it with, then that would be different too. Yeah, I'm also very skeptical in that. Like, I'm pretty sure at some point it's going to be on a streaming service that I already own, and then I'm going to feel dumb for having paid twenty bucks to watch Vin Diesel, Sam Hugan, and Malcolm Barrett. Uh, in like a superhero movie, which I'm I'm very excited about. I'm very looking much looking forward to this because but I know which a one little. Would it be on? It's Sony. Uh maybe HBO. Netflix. Netflix. I'm about to yeah. say it'll end up on Netflix because that's where the yeah that's where the uh, like uh, so again Spider Verse is on there. There's other Sony okay. productions on there. So yeah. 
Yeah, it, it would probably go. I yeah, I you guys are right, Netflix. Uh, but I'm ve- I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, you know, between Fast and Furious, Timeless, and Outlander, there there's a lot of like synergies at play with this, and I really. It, it's a shame Corona hit when it did the exact weekend that that movie was coming out because now forever it will be the lowest earning superhero movie of all time. Though it supposedly be, it's been beating Harley Quinn on on demand. Um, what I'm looking forward to is the new Chris Hemsworth movie um, Extraction that's coming out on Netflix. It looks like it looks a little bit like the old classic eighties, early nineties, like Stallone, um, Ethan hunt, uh, Bruce Willis type movies, but he's going in and he's rescuing the son of a crime Lord. And when I watched the trailer, I was like, okay, all of a sudden April got better. The end of April, I'll actually be able to watch something. But I'm I'm sad because normally my birthday weekend is the kickoff of the movie box office season for the big blockbuster movies. And here in Phoenix, that is pretty much the weekend when we're supposed to peak with Corona. So my birthday's screwed. Um, but I will be at home, I guess, watching something on Netflix, though. If you haven't been watching, um, if you haven't watched any of the Star Trek, Star Trek Picard, Star Trek Discovery, and all and many of the classic Star Treks are available on CBS All Access. They have a promo going on right now. We put it on the website where the, you can get 30 days free of CBS All Access using one code at, through, I think, April 24th. And then you get another code that puts you through May 24th or something along those lines. I added it to mine um, and got it through May, even though I've been a longtime subscriber. So you don't have to be a new subscriber to get the two months. You can actually just log in and get it if you're already a subscriber. So if you want to watch any of the Star Trek, Star Trek Picard was excellent. Mo and I will be recording an episode on just the overall season because we weren't really able to tease too much beyond the first three when we recorded the last one. We would encourage you to comment on this episode at geekconfidential.com. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash gkconfidential. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash gkconfidential. You can find me on Twitter at Luke underscore Kerr. Mel is at Melody Akles. Dan is Real Dan Pierce. And Mo is Dr. Mo 77 We thank you for listening. Until next time, so long. See ya. Bye, triple nipple. <laughs> <laughs>